It's Sunday evening, the 2nd of July, and we're recording live right after the Austrian Grand Prix, as well as right after the FIA has made up its mind on the final race classification. So we're very glad that you are joining us for this week's Forecast F1 episode. And we're joined by Ajit Paul, recording live from Montreal. Ajit was also on our podcast during the Canadian episode. And Ajit, I want to hear your first thoughts on this race weekend. Honestly, it was pretty entertaining. Um, that's as far as it goes. I mean, we'll dive into more of it later, but I found it pretty entertaining as a whole. And first time guest on our Forecast F1 podcast is from Belgium, Sven Nachtegade. Sven, thoughts? Spill them out. I think entertaining is a, is a very good word. Uh, a better word might be also uh, chaotic. Having yes. to wait a few hours yes. after the race until you uh, know who actually came in second and third. Yeah, there, there was definitely some suspense on the on the climax there. And as you may notice, there's a lack of presence of Samantha, who could not be here because she was moving this weekend from Toronto to Montreal and finds herself in a place without any Wi-Fi. So she has yet to see all the sessions of this weekend. So quite a bit of catching up to do. Actually, I would wish to start all over again and start watching it. But um, Samantha, usually we can rely upon for a little bit of structure in our podcast. So if that's uh, missing, well, you guys know where that's coming from. We miss you, Samantha. Yeah, we, have, we have some big shoes uh, to fill. To fill. Especially yeah. because she has the, the born radio podcast voice while <laughs> we sound like 16-year-old skater boys. <laughs> Agreed. So trying to walk in the footsteps of Sam, Ajit, do you want to start talking a little bit about the track of the Austrian Grand Prix? Yeah, sure. So the Austrian track, honestly, there weren't many changes this year, nothing really significant. Uh, general information about the Austrian Grand Prix is that it is one of the shortest tracks on the circuit. I think only Monaco and Mexico may be shorter than it, but speed-wise and time-wise, the Austrian GP is definitely up there. Kimi still holds the record for the fastest lap at the Austrian Grand Prix, and he set it in 2018. And I think that's about it. Uh, 71 laps in total for about slightly over 300 kilometers, the whole race. All right, so let's go and talk a little bit about the separate sessions. So we started on Friday with free practice, and then right after that, we had the qualifying session for the race on, on the same Friday. So that was still a dry session without any rain. And um, so I think it was quite an interesting session to watch. What did you think, uh, Ajit? Honestly, uh, that session, the one person who really, really stole my attention was Lando and the McLaren upgrades. It was really, really evident throughout qualifying the amount of speed that the car had and what they could do. It was really interesting. You know, cars were just being deleted, lap times being deleted over and over. They had what I think it was 48 lap time deletions, if I'm not mistaken. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, 47, uh, 48, I think so. Yeah, so it was a really interesting qualifying session, I would say, because each time someone sets a flyer, it gets deleted. Someone moves up to avoid the relegation zone and their time gets deleted and they get sent back down. It's just a lot of chaos. I think nine people, nine nine drivers, 
if I'm not mistaken, had their lap times deleted throughout the entire session. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioning McLaren because um, you, I think it was only Norris that had the updates, right, this weekend. Yeah. So uh, yeah. PS3 doesn't happen yet. And uh, you could see, I, well, I mean, perhaps there's also some difference in experience and quality of the drivers, but uh, there was quite some uh, time between the laps of Piastri uh, yeah. and Norris. So you really see, it, it really does seem that the, these updates seem to work. It, it does seem to work. And to be fair, in terms of quality, yes, we know Lando has more experience, but Oscar is not a grouch when it comes to his talent and how he drives. Uh, being a rookie, he has been able to go toe-to-toe during some interesting battles. So I would say... A credit where it's due to McLaren for fitting in the necessary upgrades. Definitely. So just to go past each single session. So in Q1, we had uh, we started with a spin from Bottas, uh, yes. which was uh, yeah. I guess uh, he was he was coming up right on the back of who was it? Verstappen, Hamilton? I don't really recall. I think it was Max. I may yeah. be wrong, but and, I think uh, it was Max. Yeah, he spinned out, and that was, um, well, I think that was the only irregularity of the session. We had uh, Tsunoda, who went out, uh, Joe, Sargent, Magnussen, Sergeant and Dries. Uh, yeah, finishing last. Magnussen and, made um, it in Q2, actually. No, he didn't, because he started uh, 19th. That was on the sprint quality. Because for the race, Magnussen started P19, and the Vries started P20, and they both decided to start from the pit lane. All right, yeah. And then into the second session of qualifying, I think we really started to see the effect of uh, what you were already talking about, track limits. Yeah, um, that, that was when I think the biggest disappointment was Checo. Uh, yeah, because uh, after all, he wasn't even able to set a single lap within no. the limits. I mean, it's a bit hard to be harsh on him. For that because if I'm not mistaken the news reports were that he was really sick on Thursday as well and to come in and do that it it, it would have been difficult but you know the post qualifying discussions a lot of interesting points were brought up but let's get through the entirety of Q2 and Q1 before we discuss that as well yeah you're right no Perez wasn't feeling well and he was already yeah. having difficulties the past three races getting into Q3 so that was when he was feeling all right. So I guess, um, yeah, you could see that uh, because I think also for Stappen's first lap that he said was also deleted for track limits, but then he did learn from his mistakes. And Perez, unfortunately, the other two laps he said were also deleted. And the third yeah. one, he only got to know after the after. ending of that session. So he didn't have time to go out. And uh, and uh, did you hear the uh, comments of Horner right after when they interviewed him after the qualifying session? Uh, I think, I'm not sure if I'm mistaking what Horner said or what Carlos said, so you may want to go ahead with that. Because I know one of them mentioned about how it took them so long for them to confirm the lap time being deleted that they weren't even sure how to respond or react or whether they needed to be sent out for another lap. Yeah, that might have been signs. I think uh, Horner was just uh, pretty frustrated with Perez not uh, setting a banker lap and not trying... A little bit, being a little bit more relaxed and, oh. and yeah, not win yeah. out. You know, Perez actually uh, wasn't off on the last turn. He usually, I think, most of the times that his track times were deleted was riding up until turn 10. So going yes. after turn nine, like setting up the car for going into turn 10, uh, he went over the limits there, which was a pretty, I mean, I understand they do it. You, you will get a better 
you will get better yeah. traction out of turn 10, but it was also, yeah. you know, if you've already done that a couple of times, yeah, you do need to learn from your mistakes. It, it is it is really tricky as well because those corners are really high speed corners as well, and they are attacking those corners at really high speeds. But like you said, for him to gain the traction, to be doing it over and over again, it is pretty ridiculous. I may just be a bit nicer to him just because he was sick the day before, but all in all, what you said does make a lot of sense. Right, so the other drivers out in Q2 besides Perez were Bottas, Piastri, Ocon and Russell. Russell also not making it into Q3. Nope. Also not uh, the first time. Not True. the first time. Not the first time. Could it be something to do with just the comfort that he feels with the upgrades compared to Lewis, do you all think? Or is it just lap times being deleted? Yeah, good question. Well, uh, Hamilton himself on the day after, on the Saturday, on the qualifying for the sprint, wasn't uh, really doing that great either. I think all in yeah. all, the Mercs weren't as good as they were in Canada and in Spain. Yeah, fair enough. And also, other teams have brought upgrades where you are starting to see Aston fall off a little bit. You are starting to see uh, the Mercs also not be as promising as how it looked initially because just this weekend alone the f- upgrades that ferrari brought the upgrades that mclaren brought they really sent those cars up front and up towards the line so you know that could be another thing to add to it true so then going into q3 maybe what we can do is mention the final classification for the race for qualifying so we had Verstappen on pole Actually, what was interesting is that um, because his final lap that he said was, I think it was about five hundreds away from the time of Leclerc. And that was actually his second lap that he said in the first one, which was also a fast one. But yeah. that wouldn't have gotten him pole if he would have stuck with that lap because Leclerc was faster than the first lap that Verstappen said. Uh, yes. But in the end, Leclerc was, was getting really close, I guess. you were. It was a very close qualifying eight. as well. Sorry. Yeah, it was. It was. I think, wasn't it the closest qualifying P1, P2, closest together yeah. for this season as far? Yeah, I think it was maybe six hundredth of a second or gap, maybe yeah. less. Yeah, it was less. I think it was even less than five hundredths. I have the times yeah. here. So Verstappen has a 104.503 and Leclerc is at a 104.391, so that's 48,000. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's Quick very math. great. Yeah. Quick math. <laughs> so, uh, third time was set by Sainz, and I think, you know, that was quite interesting for me because um, going into the race, yeah, I guess we'll get there, but. Um, to see Verstappen with two Ferraris behind him, um, Sven and I watching, starting to watch the race, we were really curious on what tires the Ferraris would start. But anyway, let's just finish the classification first. So we had Norris on four, which was also uh, quite impressive. Like you were saying, Norris just had a great qualifying session on that Friday. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton on fifth, then Stroll out qualifying Alonso, who were fifth, or sorry, sixth and seventh. Yes. Hulkenberg again making it into the into the first ten. Also He's had very a pretty impressive. good weekend. Yeah, he did. Very yeah. good weekend. Very impressive. Except Saturday. for today. Except for True. Sunday, unfortunately. And then uh, rounding it off, where it's a minor part of the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I think it's a reoccurring story with the Haases, uh, which I guess we'll come to later. But uh, it's yeah. it's just a bit of a it's 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 painful to see how they qualify that well and uh, just don't have any race pace in these cars. But uh, or I guess similar problem to the Ferraris is that they also eat up yeah. the tires. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we uh, had Gasly and Albon on nine and tenth. Albon making it to Q3 again, consistently and, making it to Q3 at this point. Very impressive. Very, very impressive. He's doing a really good job in that Williams. I think we all agree on that. Let's move into Saturday. Agreed. So Saturday, we start again this, well, this year we are doing sprint qualifyings. Uh, what do we think about the setup? We've seen it in Baku. We've seen it now again. Uh, do you like having a separate qualifying for the sprint? Or I guess we were always qualifying for the sprint, but having a separate qualifying for the race, it's getting complicated. I think it gives people like Checo a second chance. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree with Sven. Like, it does give people a second chance, but, you know, I'm not one to complain. It's more F1 to watch, but realistically speaking, is it necessary? It's more entertainment, sure, but mm, it doesn't seem as though it's a necessity to have it. True. Although I think actually this time out it was quite nice to have this Saturday separately packed where we had a where we had a dry qualifying and then a, a, a wet sprint race. I think oh, the sprint yeah. race was, was, was good. Well, again, we're we're going forward already on, on what we should be talking about because we should be talking about qualifying, but the sprint race was actually very exciting. That's what happened yeah. in Samantha's not there. Yeah, I guess we're <laughs> mixing it up again. Well let's let's talk a little bit about the sprint shootout then. So we had the SQ one. Where yes. Sainz had a had a had a failure on his brakes, uh, brake by wire failure, and didn't have a lot of time to set a lap. I think but uh, it was impressive was, uh, the way they fixed that. Yeah, true. How they fixed it, and also how Sainz went out on that last lap and under pressure performed quite well. I think he even yeah. said, I'm not sure if he ended up having the first time at an SQ1, but he did set a really good time. The first time was in SQ2, not in SQ1, I believe. Okay, right. Yeah. And uh, what we also saw, we saw Joe spinning out in SQ1, yeah. and um, he, well, yeah, exactly. And uh, as a, well, I don't know if it's a result of that, but he didn't make it out of SQ1. Uh, neither did Piastri. Uh, Hamilton didn't either. Like we were saying, uh, I guess second chance for Perez, but uh, Hamilton wasn't that happy with that second chance because uh, he had a horrible start of the of the Saturday. You could hear the dejection in his voice at the end of it when they cut to the team radio. It was an instant, yeah, that lap wasn't good enough, was it, kind of situation. It, it was yeah. not. And, uh, yeah, you even get out-qualified by, um, by people like uh, De Vries and, uh, and Tsunoda in, in Alpha Tauris. That's, that's not a good sign for, uh, for Hamilton. No, it's not. And uh, the other ones out in SQ1 were Bottas and Sargent. And we yeah. had a quick question. Do we know if Sajan has made it out of Q1? I think he's only done that once so far, right? Since he's come on. I think, did he make it out in Bahrain? He had a pretty decent race in Bahrain. He finished like 12 or something. So I'm thinking yeah. maybe that's where he did make. But I know, I don't think he made it out of, of, of the first qualifying session, but he did make it out once, I think. Yeah. He's definitely one of the only two drivers who doesn't have any points yet, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. Him and the 
Yeah, it's this year. The priest scored a point last year, but I guess we've all long forgotten that already. <laughs> it's a new so, year. It's a full reset. Actually, we were bashing on Hamilton now, but Leclerc also just made it out by a thousand. Yes, that was a really, really close, really close set. Yeah, it uh, it was a thousands of a second between him and Joe. Yeah, yeah. that that would have been pretty huge if both Lewis and Charles did not make it through to SQ2. True. So he did, and then we went into SQ2, and Russell wasn't able to set a time. He had some technical issues. Uh, Ajit, do you know what technical issues he had? So I believe he couldn't come out on track and set a time because there were hydraulic issues with his car. Uh, yeah, so that seems to have been an issue with both Mercedes this weekend. Right, yeah. So pretty pretty frustrating qualifying session for them on the Saturday, both McLaren yeah. and Mercedes. Besides Russell, Albon, Gasly, Tsunoda and De Vries also didn't make it to uh, to SQ3. But uh, I guess it was a little bit of an improvement for uh, both Alpha Tauris compared to the uh, to the Friday. Yeah, definitely significantly better than how they were performing previously. Uh, De Vries did relatively well to make it through to SQ2. But, you know, that's where it ends, unfortunately. The Alpha Tauri just have not been performing this year. Did you see how uh, Hulkenberg had that uh, unsafe release uh, just after SP2? I made a note of that. I was going to bring that up at some point. It, it was insane that they would have left a tire right where he's supposed to pull out. It just seems like a yeah. mistake that you do not make. Exactly. He was bouncing all, all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was... I, I, I don't know what's up with that. They need to get that sorted. So then we went into SQ3 and we had a final qualifying result with Verstappen again making it to pole. This time Perez was able to catch up and be right behind him. Um, yeah. I think there was about five tenths between the two. Yeah, it was five tenths between the two of them. And uh, then we had a second starting lineup for the grid with Norris and Hulkenberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, two drivers who we pointed out that had really good weekends. Yeah, yeah. So definitely. it's nice to see both Lando and Hulkenberg making it up that high in SQ3. Yeah, both out qualifying the Ferraris who lined up right behind them. This time, Sainz out qualifying Leclerc. Mm-hmm. Then we had Alonso out qualifying Stroll on the Saturday, Stroll. where it was the other way around on the Friday. Yeah. And we had Ocon on 9 and the other Haas on 10. Yep. It was an interesting SQ3, to say the least. For some reason, some of the cars were not as spacey as they were uh, in Friday's session or in earlier in the SQs. But, you know, it is what it is. And then I believe Charles got his penalty for impeding during SQ3, uh, SQ1. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, SQ1 yeah. it was, I think. He impeded Piastri. Yeah. Uh, that honestly incident, I'm not surprised that he was penalized. Uh, yes, the result of the penalization came a bit late. Fair enough. But what surprises me is that Max had a very, very similar situation of impeding on Friday. Yes, on Hamilton, wasn't it? Was it Hamilton or was it Pierre? No, that could. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I did. I did saw. I did see it, and and 
it did look uh, similar. And I was happy on the consistency, you know, given that the last couple of races we've seen various times these three plays grip penalties. So I yes. was happy to being it seeing applied to Leclerc as well. But then, yeah, yeah. not too much. You just wonder um, what they're doing out there because, well, yeah. Uh, I mean, it just seems unfair. Rightly so, Charles deserves to get penalized for that, even though it was a communication issue, sure. But you can't avoid it. You were impeding three great, three place penalties, sure. But then Max for almost a very similar thing, and it's not. It, it's just not consistent enough, in my opinion, for situations like that. True. So um, then on the Saturday, it started to rain a little bit. And a uh, couple of hours later, we were starting for the sprint race. And I think the sprint race all in all was a very exciting sprint race. Uh, but of course, we have to take into account that that actually has a lot to do with weather conditions, not so much with having a sprint race per se, but it was very enjoyable to watch. Yeah, the sprint races and mixed weather conditions are always interesting to see because you can truly see the drivers who thrive on mixed conditions and drivers who aren't comfortable in those situations. For example, in the Ferraris, whenever you have a mixed uh, kind of weather situation, Carlos more often than not tends to outperform Charles. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But let's uh, let's start with the start. So, um, Sven, what did you make of the <laughs> the scrumblings and the first lap between uh, Verstappen and Perez? That was uh, that was. Uh, quite fun to watch, especially waiting to hear what they would say on the team radio about the other driver uh, and waiting for them to finish to see how the interaction would go. I think the cameras were also quite focused on that and on their body language, but they handled it surprisingly uh, mature, in my opinion. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it ends where it is on Saturday and it doesn't get carried forward to things that happened like last season. Yeah, I guess, you know, when you when the actual incident occurs, you know, both are full of adrenaline and you say yeah. a couple of things over the radio. But after the race, they did they did handle it surprisingly well. There was not <laughs> I think they uh, they they talked it out um, in a relatively mature way, like Sven was saying. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more rivalry though. So no, I, agree. I wouldn't have minded if it carried over. <laughs> no, and it was exciting. Across a few extra weekends. <laughs> Even if that makes me an evil person, but no, and I mean, it was good to, to begin with to see somebody challenging Max uh, for once in yeah. a while. And, uh, and, and you know, I think Perez actually really got off the line very, very well mm -hmm. and um, basically just overtook Max uh, pure on, on, on having a, I guess the reaction time was relatively similar, but he just got up to speed quicker. It's not just that. I believe if you rewatch the start, you can see Max covering, trying to cover and block uh, Perez off, but he finds his way to avoid Max and take out over the inside line into the first corner as well. Yeah, exactly. On that first, like up until turn one, uh, Verstappen yes. leaves just the car width, basically. Uh, nothing more than that, but he did leave that, that width. And then after turn one, when Perez overtook him, he didn't do the same thing. So he sort of pushed Max on, on the grass. And then into turn three, it was Max diving in and blocking Perez off which also resulted in uh, some uh, problems for Norris. But yeah, the difference, I guess, yeah. is that when Paris does that, that's at a very high speed. So it's a little bit more dangerous than at 
turn three where you know of course yeah. you do block him but it's it's a little bit less dangerous anyway uh, it was a, it was quite a shame to see that completely ruin Norris' first lap it's it was really unfortunate in my opinion because um when you see what Norris was trying to do he was trying to take advantage of the battle that Max and Perez were having but just so happened as he was coming out there was no room for him to gain the traction that he needed and you know the car just went into empty stall mode and he lost yeah. all those pieces. I think if he would have braked just slightly earlier he would have been able to avoid them but yeah okay with hindsight these things are easy yeah it was and a then, good move though it was a pretty opportunistic sort of idea that he had in mind to go in for that move for sure and then uh, right after Hulkenberg overtaking Perez oh that was amazing to see uh, it's just fun it's fun when you see an underdog stepping up and gaining places especially against the likes of a rocket ship Red Bull what do you think Sven yeah I agree I, I was just hoping if, if Perez could have hold on to to spot two a bit longer that we might have seen a little bit more competition between the two Red Bulls and, and Hulkenberg coming in between kind of released for Stappen but then again, if we look at the past few races and the difference in speed between the two Red Bulls, maybe that's just idle thinking. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, it took Perez quite a long time actually to overtake Hulkenberg, and if he wouldn't have had him in between, there might have been a little bit more of a challenge. I completely agree. Then at least there would be a bit more pressure for Max, even though he does seem to perform quite well under that. Under pressure. I mean, I think that just yeah, that just drives him to do even better, but. Yeah, that that did take a little bit of uh, an, an staying out of the out of the race, but that came back when things started to dry up, and you know you could hear a couple of drivers over the radio: "Is it going to get dry? Is it not?" Uh, you heard Alonso uh, saying that it could potentially dry, which wasn't a whole lot of information. But then it was Russell on which lap? I think 16, 16 going into seventeen, where he pitted yep, for six. Pit. Yes. And then you can see a whole lot of other drivers also going for slicks. I thought it was interesting that I think it was Hülkenberg who was the second one who was at that point just right in between the Aston Martins. And yeah. I think that was a very brave move from him to pit because, you know, he was up there in the, in the first yeah. eight and perhaps not the first thing you would think of, but uh, with hindsight, definitely a very good move for him because that made him, and I think he ended up sixth in the, behind the Aston Martins. But yes. if he wouldn't have pitted, I think it would have been a, a much worse uh, finishing position for him. Yeah, because yeah. Russell had nothing to lose, so he, he could take no. a gamble. Uh, but I think Hulkenberg had a lot to uh, to yeah, lose, so he did a brave move and it paid yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. No, I think after people saw that uh, Russell was putting in purple sectors, that everybody just basically went for it. Yeah. Well, but apart it, from the Red Bulls. Exactly. A couple of exceptions. Red Bulls, Aston Martins. Yeah. In the top I think it was only um, Halkenberg who had switched tires and George, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, everyone else was uh, still on Inters. Yeah, I was just saying Red Bull, Aston Martins, but of course uh, the Ferrari stayed on uh, on Inters, Nora stayed on the Inters, um, Ocon did too. Yeah. Um, yeah. For them it was all a bit risky, but like you were saying, Sven, Halkenberg uh, was the brave one out of those uh, top 10 drivers. Yeah. Because, yeah, who can be? Yeah. If he hadn't made that stop, 
like you said, Anton, he was already being caught up by the Astons. He would have lost a lot more spaces. So for once, I think right call, right time with the Haas. And what about that uh, photo finish of uh, Ocon and Russell, eh? Oh, that was amazing to watch. Absolutely amazing to watch. It reminds me a lot of the photo finish that we had in Montreal as well. It, it's yeah, exactly. amazing how two races in a row we have two photo finishes. The, the difference is that their Stroll was able to overtake Bottas and now Russell just, just didn't make just it. Just and, and actually Ocon, I think that deserves a mention. I don't know if they did driver of the day for the Saturday, but uh, I think there was only one contender that was Ocon. I think he oh, had God. a hell of a race. Yeah, Absolutely I mean, uh, amazing. battling with um, with Charles, that was uh, a battle of uh, a quite extensive one, quite a number of laps. Yeah. He defended really, really well against Charles over and over. That was just, you know, Charles kept attacking and Esteban was just like, you know, those memes that you see of Perez in a large Red Bull covering the entire track? That was Ocon this time. <laughs> yes, yes. So I call for a short intermezzo where actually we go and look at a couple of uh, forecast scores just for the sprint. So actually, uh, to be fair, I already went over this with Sven. So um, I'm going to ask you to make a couple of guesses. I've written down what Sven returned. So we're going to see who's, uh, who's closer. So what I want to know from you, Ajit, how many people do you think correct, correctly predicted for Stappen to win that sprint? Oh, and I will tell you, there were 415 people playing. You didn't tell weekend. me that. Well, I told you around 410. So I guess uh, we'll take a small variance of your answers. We'll see how close it gets. Okay, so 415 did... 415, uh, yeah. Okay, 415. I'm going to say maybe 327. Three, how many? 27? Yeah. Yeah. So... That means that Sven is just slightly closer because he came up with nice. 80 and it is 3.56. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. Anton was just a bit slower with the math. <laughs> I was already holding up my fist. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to declare a winner before knowing for sure. So I'm go over it. Raising your hand is half the win anyway. Yeah. Anton, we're giving you right. the recognition of someone who's good with math. So quick math, come on. Well, I'm, I'm, I have Sven here next to me. All right, well, well, we'll just quickly move on to the next question. So how many of those people that had Verstappen on P1 also had Leclerc on P2? So how many had a correct P1 and P2? Oh, um, uh, Perez. I'm messing up. Perez, right. So one, two, Perez, I would say that would have been maybe about 291. Okay, this one goes again to Sven, because Sven had nice. 189, <laughs> and it was 117. Okay. I think, I think people lost a lot of faith, uh, faith in, uh, in Perez over the Perez. last two, three races. Yeah, no, yeah, I think so too. I would have expected, I think if you would have gone back uh, five races... It would have been way different, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Back, back then, everybody had one, two Red Bull, right? Yeah, well, also on the other sprint, of course, we had uh, a street circuit, and yeah, their Paris usually is 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 pretty decent. So, uh, yeah. yeah, 
Um, then yeah, going also, uh, I just the next, realized. so what's, what's, it, wait, what's the score right now? Yeah, the score it's is two, two, zero. two to zero. So we may have a problem for our next question because um, when I started talking to Sven about these scores, I may have already told him how many of those 117 people that had a correct P1 Verstappen, P2 Perez also predicted signs. But I am going to ask you, Ajit. So if you if you call this one correctly, I'll give you a point for it, even though there's no competition. Uh, Only if it's exact. Yeah. Yeah. So how many hey. people do you think? No had pressure. A, had a correct podium for the sprint. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I just realized that we were making predictions this week on Thursday. And in my head, I was like, oh, okay, wait, realistically speaking, we saw the way Ferris was performing. So a lot of people would have gone for P2. But yeah, so that was bad on my end. But P1, 2, and 3. Let's see, maybe 16. It was only three people, so Ooh. you're not going to get any points for that. Ooh. <laughs> okay. And My initial thought no was seven. Then, yeah, well, I guess, yeah, well, tough one to call. I think, in general, yeah. a lot of people actually always predict Leclerc ahead of science. So yeah. I guess that's one of the reasons why uh, there weren't that many people. But um, then I also asked Sven how many people had a correct P6 Hockenberg and actually Sven predicted that correct. So this is a tough nice. one. Okay, yeah, this is going to be what, maybe 3-0 of a loss of sprint, but Hockenberg P6 27. Close. There was just one person. <laughs> I think that deserves a shout out to that very person as well. It was uh, Charbel Skyen from um, from Lebanon. So uh, yeah, congrats! I, I, you were the only one who had a P6 Hockenberg in the sprint. Congrats! That's somebody who knows his Formula One. It's actually interesting. There's one guy from Indonesia who's been consistently for all races this season predicting, been predicting Hockenberg on the podium for the races. So yeah. he's been putting him on P3. Just to see him make it to the podium that one time. So Gunther is playing as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it would be amazing to see Hockenberg get a podium. Honestly, for the shows that he puts on in, you know, quality days. Hopefully, we yeah, see that. Yeah, I wonder what needs to happen good. for that. I think the race needs to be flagged off after the first lap, something like that. <laughs> because, uh, I, don't, I don't see it happening, unfortunately. But that would be. Awesome. <laughs> Give him one lap to overtake Paris and then call the race. Yeah, or so, he might get there. Probably. True enough. Or, you know, we could just have red flag safety car race in the rain kind of situation. Yeah, if we get a spa situation of, uh, what was it? Uh, was it 21 uh, or 2020 21. where we had only, yeah, I think, yeah, that sort of situation where he would have a good qualifying there, he could actually make it to the podium. Didn't Russell there made it on the podium in the Williams? Yeah, yeah. That could have but been Hockenberg. That could be Hockenberg. But honestly, I think this would be a good time to just talk about spa real quick if you're up to it. With yeah, what happened this yeah. weekend. I think we do need to mention that. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, Delano van Hof lost his life there. Um, yeah. Ajit, yeah. May he rest in peace. But, you know, this is happening, it, even though it's only been twice in the last five years, it's two times too many. And it's the same track, same corner, very similar 
uh, incidents kind of situation, drivers have come out and said that, you know, something needs to be done with the track. Some changes need to be made because it is unsafe. I think this is a question to be asked of the track as well as the FIA both at the same time. Do changes need to be made to the track and more consistency of how, what conditions you allow races to occur in? Because the last time last year when it was pouring in Spa, the F1 race was red flagged when there was no visibility. This time during that race, when the incident happened, the race was still allowed to go on despite no visibility. And how can that happen? So I think this is a very two-faceted situation where both the FIA and the organizers of the track need to do something about the unsafe corner to begin with and the situation about allowing certain races to happen during bad weather. Yeah, I think, you know, you would almost say as if you would need to take into consideration whether at which track uh, the weather is bad. And that says enough about the track. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm fully in line with you there, uh, Ajit. Yeah, it's just unfortunate because we've had a lot of incidents at Spa. And if you think about it, it's just not it's not just these two fatal incidents that we've had. We've also had a lot of very near fatal incidents and a lot of bad crashes over the last 10 years there. Yeah, I would just like to see if they, I would love to see if they do something about it because I don't want it to jeopardize uh, the Belgian Grand Prix. I would like to have that on the calendar yeah. for the for the long term. So, uh, yeah, let's hope that uh, there can be some sort of a solution because it is a great track. But, it is. Uh, but of course, uh, yeah, you hate to see um, these things happen. And, yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately. There, there was already some doubt to put the... Uh, the, the race on the calendar this year, right? Did it have something yeah, to do with that? Or was no, it different no it's, I think what it has to do is there's also very little money coming from it. So, you know, these days, a lot of the organizing countries are paying a lot of money. And I think yeah. for Spa, there's just, it's on the calendar because it's a, a historically great track. But these are the tracks that are under threat to be on the calendar. Uh, yeah. And I think we were all very happy to see that from it is on the countries calendar. like Belgium. Well, it, no, it's just, you know, the organization behind it and, uh, and, and whether there's, a, you know, if you've got a battle against uh, oil money, yeah. it's uh, yeah. there's more and more in the it's, calendar indeed. Yeah, it's an uphill battle. What, what's happening to Spa, I think we could liken it to what happened with Sepang as well. It was down to, you know, the financial issue again of F1 and how much they were profiting out of these tracks. So it's a shame it's a to shame see... There's so much... Yeah, there's so much history in those tracks. Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, that's a discussion that we will continue to have over the next uh, couple of years. Yeah. Because um, I think there will be more and more of these type of tracks that are going to be in doubt. Although, actually, Austria, we saw just before the race today, I think they announced that it's extended until 2030. So uh, at least we're yeah. going to see the Austrian Grand Prix on the calendar until then, which I do like. I, I realized again that the track's quite nice actually for races. Um, Ajit, I see that you have there some. Yeah, just just a quick segue. Since we are talking about the track, um, and we spoke about how a lot of lap times got deleted, right? 
Uh, just the one thing that I did want to bring up about the Austrian Grand Prix. Yes, I love the track. I love how entertaining it is. I mean, you've got three DRS zones back to back. You've got high speed corners. It provides a lot of entertainment, sure. But, you know, the number of lap times that get deleted, it keeps going up year on year. And it just seems like something needs to be done because I remember watching the post qualifying interview and you had all three drivers talking about how this was brought up in previous years during drivers meetings at this track and everyone acknowledges that the Austrian Grand Prix is being used not only for F1 but for other sports as well and what solution can they have maybe because for this particular track apparently they don't feel the white lines and they don't feel the curbs because on other tracks it's easy for them to avoid because when they are going over it, they can feel the difference of the white line and the curb. But for Austria, they don't feel that change, which makes it even harder for them to gauge because they can't see where the tires place on the track. So moving forward, I'm wondering if anything's going to change about that. I'm suggesting we raise the curbs a little bit and we put a gravel trap. Or I'm even thinking that years back, there used to be gravel on those turns 9 and 10. So gravel was removed because of MotoGP. MotoGP weren't very comfortable with having gravel track that. So maybe raising it slightly would be an option just so that, you know, there's something of a difference to eight drivers because if it is increasing and it's happening a lot more often, something needs to be done to aid it. Perhaps unpopular opinion, but I'm thinking also that even to have this situation this sort of setup with the austrian grand prix where you actually have to rely on the drivers not going over the lines i think it's i think it's something that um you know if it would be just consistently applied and measured with a better system Mm -hmm. and you would like be more aware of because they're counting back right like you see that they're deleting track times from 10 minutes ago but if that would be a little bit more up to date I also do think that, you know, just this given rule, you need to stay within the lines. And if yeah. everybody, that's that's a challenge by itself. And that's part of being a racing driver. So on the one hand, I agree with you. It would be good to have some sort of a drawback of having a, you know, race curbs or gravel or whatever. But on the other hand, it, it is in a certain way also entertaining because we're talking about it. And I think, you know, what happened during the race and, and let's talk about the race a little bit. Uh, but um, yeah, I think what happened afterwards it's also like I'm not going to say it's what we're looking for, but in some sort of way, it's also exciting. I just would like to see it being measured a little bit more, well, a little bit quicker and more consistent. And then you could actually have something that's quite interesting where you just rely because we have seen that there are drivers and I'm referring to, for example, the Aston Martin drivers or Leclerc, who did not receive any penalties. So it, 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 that does mean that it is possible to stay within the lines. I mean, the lines are there, they don't move. And yeah. I was thinking and, exactly the same because yeah. there, there's so much technologies in, in other sports, like, yeah. like football with offsides and, and with the ball and, and they're putting sensors in their feet. You just expect the Formula yeah. One with all the money that's in there that, that they keep up. And that they can give very objective, very immediate reactions. And then I think drivers will stick to it. And it will not depend on other drivers like Stuart Norris to, to complain until they take a decision. Well, or Stuart Hamilton. Yeah, but it's even <laughs> surprising that you don't have this. 
and that they have to come back like a few hours yeah. after the race. Ah, by the way, all the positions changed. It's a bit strange that you have you to. See, you bring up a really good point because it's not just football. I mean, you have basically very similar to goal line technology in badminton and rugby, in cricket, in tennis. Yeah. All tennis, sports yeah, exactly. have that. And you don't have to put this technology onto the cars. It's basically what you do on the line. Is it going to be expensive? Yes, it is. But will it make your decisions more consistent? As long as you don't bring into the human error issues and inconsistencies of football into F1, your situation should be really consistent. It costs money, but then again, you, you also think there, there must be fans who are kind of disappointed by the way it's being handled. And, yeah. and I guess with a better setup, you would also have fans be more satisfied. And, uh, you know, you, you're talking about a clear picture where everybody knows what's going on. I think you could even set it up sort of on the screen. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you could build this into the experience for the fan uh, on a track like Austria. And I think the other point is that what we see during seasons is that it gets applied differently at different tracks. And that's also yes. something that needs to be improved. But yes. I think that's something that uh, with the situations like the one today, is going to be a vocal talking point in the next well at least that's what i would love to see and what i would expect if it's really going to happen let's see but uh, i guess we're not the only ones who are uh, thinking about this no I, I i honestly hope not because it would make the spot a lot more interesting and you know if they want to think about production value of it just imagine midway through the race you have commentators being able to see a graphic image of the car whether it's going off the line or not it's just going to add more to entertainment value yeah and look at all the data that's already into it i mean it, it, it yeah they're keeping track of how far somebody is in monaco of the wall like yeah how many centimeters yeah, Why just, you just keep track of, also, of the lines uh, i think they even showed it also last uh, race week in, in, in Canada. So, yeah, that's a good point. If you already have that technology, how hard would it be? Yeah. And then just keep track of like, okay, first warning, second warning, okay, black and white flag, five seconds, yeah. 10 seconds, just be consistent and be immediate. And I think the whole race vibe would change. Yeah. And I think would, that would... Go I ahead think the drivers would, would, would also stop complaining and would be more focused on racing. Yeah. And then you would actually get pure proper full-on racing and yeah. rather than everyone just complaining about this and that and this and that. Yes, rivalries are fun to see, but, you know, at this point, some of the things that people are complaining about is just really petty. Yeah, although one thing I wonder is that you see now in, in football or soccer, wherever you're listening, but uh, you see that now we have this system where you can actually measure until the freaking millimeter if someone's offside or not, but you still see defenders waving their hands while they know that this is actually being checked. So to get rid of, of drivers complaining about other drivers, I don't think, I think that's just also in the nature of some of the drivers. I won't mention any names. Uh, I think all of them have a tendency to do it, actually. It's not just a few. I think there's a lot. And we also get filtered radio messages, right? So we, we're not hearing everything. I think mm -hmm. there must be even a lot more. And there's a certain amount of drivers that they always tend to... Well, I, I wouldn't know. I'm not listening to all the radios at the same time. So I think that's going to stay. But I think it would make it a lot more uh, yeah, fair in, in all sense to... Um, yeah, to have a little bit more data capturing on this part and, and actually applying it right. 
I'm just yeah. glad we still have uh, David Coulthard to make some fun out of it now and then. Oh, yeah. I enjoy David Coulthard being there at post-race interviews. I think he's one of the best. It's For me, it's between him and Jensen Button. And before we talk about post-race interviews, do we want to talk about the race itself? Yeah, I think we're drifting off again. I think we're lucky that we can blame all of our structural problems on, <laughs> on Samantha not being there. But let's, let's also... Uh, take matters in our own hands and, and start talking a little bit about the race. So, um, Ajit, uh, what were your thoughts? Because Sven and I were talking about it quite elaborately in, in, uh, mm. ahead of the race and thinking about what the strategies would be from the Ferraris. And, um, you know, I think we've seen that, for example, Aston Martin splitting their strategy where, where Alonso starts on the hearts and uh, Stroll on the mediums. Uh, what did you think about uh, yeah, the top, the top uh, qualifiers and, and their strategies? I don't think there's much that you can fault on in terms of how they chose to start, even though I would have personally liked to see what the Aston Martins did for that to be replicated by the Ferraris as well. That would have been a lot of fun uh, just to see how it would have differed. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, they did what they needed to do and results favoured the Ferraris. I mean, excluding the penalties at the end. They got their strategy somewhat correct this time. And you saw the drivers actually putting their foot down, which was great to see. Well, we were thinking that, you know, if Leclerc and Sainz would have, um, I I think it would have been a more logical move to have Leclerc on the mediums right behind Verstappen or even on the softs and then put Sainz on the hards, which I think would have also solved the problem. I think in the beginning of the race, uh, Sainz was quicker than Leclerc, but he was constantly behind. If he would have been on the hards, he would have struggled a little bit more, and it would have been, you know, he wouldn't have been really held up, but he would be trying to hold on to the yeah. pace of air. And that kind of, I don't know. I, I was just thinking if that would have made a difference. Um, I guess hard to tell in the end, but um, I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking because, like, even though drivers started on the hards, they still ended up needing to make two stops, right? So it doesn't really make a difference. And we saw the Ferraris do three mediums the whole way. It's just unfortunate that Carlos got stuck behind Charles for a significant because portion of the start. He was quicker. He was quicker. And I think he overall, was I mean, if we look back at the sprint race as well, Leclerc was struggling with overtaking Norris, overtaking yeah. Sainz during the sprint. And then again, now Sainz being quicker. I think that was quite, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Sainz had a good weekend in that in that regard. I was watching the race, and while that was happening, I was seated next to my friend, and I said, it would have been really interesting. Again, I don't know how feasible this is, because I've not been in on the pit wall before. But, you know, if they had allowed Carlos to go ahead of Charles, and Charles used the toe on Carlos, so that both of them caught up with Max. Yeah, right? exactly. Would things have differed then. I guess we'll never know. We, we no. never know because then you have the toe and the slingshot situation because DRS would be open. You are in the slipstream. If Charles starts going faster, fine. Let Charles take the front and then Carlos do the same thing. Right. So then we saw the safety car being deployed right after Tsunoda made it into the gravel. I think that was a little yeah. bit of a... Was it reckless or was he just... Um, being Yuki? I think Yuki was just trying too hard to get as much as he can out of this race. Because if we look at how his performances have been throughout the year, he has been doing pretty well. And 
I'm pretty sure this weekend he must have been pretty frustrated as well. So I think it was just him trying to do his best and pushing way over his limit. Yeah, I think David uh, described it as uh, getting the optimism award of the year. Yeah. How late he was breaking there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I admire him for that, that's for sure. But sometimes it just doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking that uh, we were multiple times complimenting Yuki on his consistency in the beginning of this season, but it's yeah. it's starting to become a little bit more up and down. But then again, I, I do I do like his style of driving, so um, I should be the least to, uh, you know, at least stuff happens when you put him behind yeah. the wheel. Yeah, I would love to see him behind a, a Red, Bull, uh, Red Bull wheel and see what he does with that. But I'm not sure if they uh, if they are ready to trust him with that. I don't know. Oh. I don't know if I want to see Yuki in a Red Bull seat yet. Well, Just it's because interesting to, it's interesting to think about what would have happened if Perez would have been too ill to drive. Would they have put in yes. Tsunoda in the Red Bull and Ricardo in the Alpha Tauri? I would have loved to see yeah. that personally. Nothing against yeah. Perez. Um, I mean, you know, uh, it's just it's nice to see these things being mixed up once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shall we move on to a different driver? Because if not, I was going to get fully sidetracked on that conversation. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, well, I think uh, up until lap 15, not much noticeable happened, but then we had the DNF of uh, Hulkenberg and he basically triggered a whole lot of a lot of pit stops uh, when the virtual yeah. safety car was deployed. First off, I think before we talk about the pit stops and what happened, who chose to go in and who did it, it's just really unfortunate for Hulkenberg for his, for his car to give way. Yeah, he had a, he did have a good weekend, and it was uh, that we would like him to see uh, continue on in the race. Yeah, yeah, it's just really unfortunate at this point because he's been scoring points wherever he can consistently. He's been extracting a lot out of the car, especially during qualifying. This weekend, he did really well. We saw instances of his defending, his attacking. You know, all in all, it would have been the perfect weekend. He didn't need to finish in the top five, top six, you know, but at least getting even one or two points at the end of the race today would have been the perfect weekend for him. Yeah, I can't uh, agree more with you, uh, Ajit. You're, you're definitely right. It's a shame to see that. But um, it did spice up a little bit the, uh, the strategies because I think when the virtual safety car was deployed, Verstappen was already long past um, the pit entry. But... The Ferraris were yeah. just about to, uh, to to get past, and I think yeah. they mentioned that uh, they even told them to box, but it was just too late for them to really do it. Um, yeah. So after that, we saw a lot of other drivers coming in. I think uh, we saw Hamilton, we saw Norris, Gasly, uh, Albon, Russell, and uh, one of the Alpines. I think it was Ocon. And um, and then right the lap after, uh, the Ferraris did make it to a pit stop, but because of Charles at the same time. Yeah, exactly. They had to double stack because they were right. So it would have been perfect if one were able to do it on the first yes. lap, they turned the safety car, and then the other one on the second. I think it kind of, I mean, Sainz had to give way track position to yeah. Hamilton and Morris uh, this way, which was a shame because he was actually doing really well and he actually overtook. It didn't last long though. No, exactly. He overtook yeah. the others, but, you know, that yeah. cost him uh, quite a bit of time, uh, I think. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, not only Verstappen didn't uh, pit, but uh, Perez also stayed out, uh, which was, I, I thought that the Red Bulls might have won a, uh, yeah, split the strategies there too, but they didn't. I think yeah, it was, was quite surprising. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sven, go ahead, sorry. For, for me, it was quite surprising because then eventually you saw that, that uh, Ferraris were virtually ahead. Um, yeah, for the Red Bulls, they're just lucky that their car was that much faster because otherwise that decision might have cost them the, the victory. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, if it wasn't, again, a lot of ifs, whens and buts, but if Carlos had not exceeded limits as much as he had, then he could have still gotten P3 ahead of Echo. Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, because when he did get his penalty, well, I think we should get to the, because he wasn't the first one to get the penalty. First one to get the penalty was Hamilton. Yep. Really early on in the race. I think very early on in the race. 17, somewhere around that. And I remember, I think when he got his penalty, he was complaining about how, I can't remember who he was chasing. Was he chasing Checo? Norris, I think. No, I think Norris was complaining about Hamilton. It was initially some one of them were com, was complaining about the driver ahead of them. I think Lewis was complaining about someone ahead of him, and he said well, that they were all yeah. complaining about yeah. all drivers That's ahead of true. them. So That's it's true. it's kind of hard yeah. to keep track. <laughs> yeah, it, it was tough, but you could see that that set off the chain reaction because each one of them, whenever they were given the penalty, they were complaining about the driver ahead of them being yeah. constantly missing the white line on turn nine and ten. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Great entertainment for us. Absolute chaos. Amazing to watch, but, you know. Yeah, and um, I think the only penalty that wasn't for exceeding track limits was the penalty of Ocon, which came quite rapidly after Hamilton, where he was he, he was released just, I think it was Sargent, it was a Williams, um, yeah. and he got, a, he got a, a side of him in the pit lane and then over to, I think... I don't know. I would have let the Williams. I mean, yeah. Well, it was just unfortunate, I guess. Uh, it's not the driver's fault to begin with. No. So I think that needs to be said too. It's it's basically a team error. And actually, we've been seeing quite a lot of um, unsafe uh, releases. I mean, releases. in Canada, we've, there weren't any penalties for Norris uh, and uh, Hamilton in Canada, but those were pretty close. Especially the Norris one was quite uh, quite close. Uh, I think it was with yeah. Ocon in Montreal, but. Uh, yeah, this one definitely did deserve a penalty. Yeah. Um, and not not to take away from the fact that this has been happening a lot uh, recently as well in the pit lane, but also the fact that this isn't the first time Ocon has had to suffer because of this, this season. True. Yeah, that's right. I remember Ocon had a lot of uh, incorrect surface penalties as well, right? Oh, yeah. That was that, Melbourne? Uh, Bahrain, oh. I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the first, yeah, where he lined up wrong. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it was uh, in Melbourne, it was Alonso, I think, or that was even yeah. as well. I, I lost track. Yeah, it's just a lot, a lot of these incidents are happening and teams are costing their drivers a lot of time and a lot of positions in race and for race positions. It's... It must be frustrating. At the end of the day, I think this just goes on to emphasize that F1 is a lot more of a team sport than people realize. Because a lot more goes into it than just what the 
what the driver does and what happens to the driver because if your team messes up, if your team screws up the strategy, if your team screws you over in the pit wall, then your race gets compromised. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Then I think um, moving forward, we had Verstappen make his pit stop uh, on uh, lap 24 going into lap 25. And that was the first time that he was not in the lead of a race since I don't recall exactly which lap it was, but it was in Miami. So it's been a while and we had, um, <laughs> well, Ajit's fan favorite. Uh, uh, I think he, he succeeded that place to uh, Leclerc and also to Sainz, right? But he overtook Sainz yeah. right after. Yeah, it was really close. And to be fair, credit where it's due. Science was great. Yeah, he, yeah, science had a great race. I agree. Yeah, but actually, science did get a, a penalty for exceeding track limits not too long after uh, that. I think, uh, yeah. Well, if we're gonna keep track of all the all the track limits, then uh, we're gonna be in for a long one. But um, yeah. Because those are only the ones that were counted during the race and that were yeah. served during the race. But um, yeah, so we had signs and then we had, um, wait, now thinking about it, I, I, what I said was that the only um, the only penalty other than exceeding track limits was for Ocon, but that's not true because the Vries also got a penalty for driving Magnussen off the road. Oh, yes, that happened earlier on. Yes, yes. I think the two of them have been in a bit of a disagreement since since Canada. We obviously had them go off in Canada where the Vries made this overtake that wasn't really very confident and then yeah. had the lock up, took Magnussen off the road. And I don't know if you've saw, seen it in, in free practice one, but you also had the situation where um, I think I never really saw it from the driver cam from Magnussen, but apparently the Vries was blocking Magnussen and you saw him overtake the Vries and just, you know, basically uh, breaking in front of him to tell him, hey, why are you doing this again? So they were already scrambling a little bit in free practice one. And then during the race, uh, he just completely drove him off the road into the gravel. Uh, it was, uh, I don't know, uh, what was he thinking? You know, rivalries can come out of nowhere. We don't know if this is a rivalry, but if this is happening often enough. Well, they're making it into a rivalry now. I mean, entertainment, yeah, sure. As long as you don't get too reckless and cause the other person to crash. Yeah, because, you know, you, you see, actually, there was a lot of decent fights during this. I mean, right around the same time yeah. when this was happening, you also had the fight where Sainz and Norris and, and Leclerc, were, or sorry, uh, uh, Paris was right behind yes. them, where they were fighting and Sainz being very clever about it, keeping Norris in, uh, in DRS range so that they would, uh, it failed in the end, but it was clever. Um, yeah. And, and and they also, when Sainz and Norris were fighting, you know, they kept it really, really clean. I mean, another yeah. two of them were friends, but that's, yeah, that's the way to go about. And that's the way you want to see a fight. I think that entire battle between the three of them, um, it was great racecraft, um, amazing, very entertaining, you know, tricks and turns, especially the ones between Carlos and Checo. Yes. It was both of them swapping DRS you know, timing it very well. It was very similar to what we saw between uh, Max and Charles last year, I believe. The way they took turns swapping between one another yeah, to make sure they similar. activated. Very, very similar. So it was it was a very entertaining race. It was good racing. Unfortunately, of course, the Red Bull being the powerful unit that it is, Checo 
clearly won that battle doesn't take away from it. It was absolutely brilliant racing by the three of them. But still, I think it, it might have cost Perez the chance to have a, a final battle with uh, with Leclerc. Yeah. I think what Sainz did there to keep Perez behind them for, for a few laps by, by breaking just before the the DRS. And he, he kept them busy. And, and at the end, he didn't yeah. have the, the laps left to, to go for Leclerc. So great effort no. from, uh, from Sainz there. It was really good. I yeah, fully I enjoyed it. Between that fight and the one during the sprint between uh, Leclerc and Ocon, I think those two oh. fights were, were the best ones to watch this weekend. It uh, was just top-notch fighting. Yeah. Um, no, shot, no shot of quality racing. And this, when you're talking about pushing each other to the limits, this is what it is. Clean racing. Um, of course, sometimes we like to see a little bit of elbows out and things like that. Yes, we saw elbows out, but nothing out of the way that forces anyone um, to lose massively. It was just pure, I would say, very sportsman-like battles. Yeah, and during the sprint race, I was actually, uh, we were talking about it too, Sven and I, that we were thinking, you know, it was actually quite nice to see that there was no DRS during the rain. So, you know, the problem you have with DRS is that drivers are basically, okay, they come up close to one another and then they just wait until they get close enough to just overtake them easily on the DRS. We've seen it in Spain where basically the DRS straight is just too long and the overtaking, if you look at the amount of overtakes in Spain, there was a lot, but none of them were really exciting. And then actually during the sprint, we saw that it was actually based on merit, all the overtakes, which was good. But then actually during the race, you could see that the Austrian track also lends itself for having DRS zones where, yeah, there's DRS zones, but it's still, you know, it's still tricky to overtake. It wasn't easy. Yeah. And, um, and, and and actually, that's why earlier in the episode, I was mentioning that uh, I like this track for that reason. You know, yeah. it, it lends itself to racing with DRS, but also without DRS. Um, it's it's wide enough. Uh, and, and yeah, for that reason, I'm very happy to see it uh, continue being on the calendar until uh, 2030. I think one of the yeah. drivers that really showed it during during the race day during Sunday was uh, was Checo. The way he came from the back, there was a lot of times he was behind someone who also had his own DRS. Yeah. But he really outbraked a lot of people, and we yeah. we expected him a bit like like last few weekends to get frustrated and start making mistakes. But credit to him, I think he had a really uh, really brilliant race. Yeah, I think I was hoping he would he would get one spot more and get to the second place because that's where I had him in the game. But uh, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, science science uh, got in the way of that. Yeah. No, I think yeah, so what you were saying really just hits the nail on the head. The Grand Prix in as a whole has shown why it needs to be extended. So I guess we're going to get into final uh, race finish where we saw a podium of Verstappen, Leclerc and Paris, which didn't get changed afterwards. But then we had signs on P4 and... Well, we had Norris behind him, we had Fernando behind that, and then we knew at a certain point that Aston Martin was raising questions to the FIA to investigate, and we were all thinking that Norris would be investigated, because I think it was Hamilton mostly on the radio complaint. Well, I think I also see Norris a couple of times off the track, at least that's what I have in my mind, but 
in the end, he didn't get any penalties, but it was Sainz who got a 10-second penalty. So in the end, Sainz, therefore, ends up finishing sixth rather than fourth. And both Norris and Alonso, so they then moved to fourth and fifth. Um, I was I was a bit surprised uh, with that. Uh, to be fair, the one thing I will say, though, as much as we have given uh, Sainz his credit this race, there were still a lot of errors in the sense of he ran off track and basically overshot the white lines many times throughout the weekend. Yeah, no, he must have. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they are wrong. I was just surprised. Yeah. I wasn't aware that he did it so much more often because I yeah. think so. they get a warning after uh, three times exceeding the track limits and then the fourth time they get a five-second penalty and then a ten-second penalty with the fifth time. And what I read was that after that it got reset um, yeah. and they start counting again. That was their... Uh, that's how they made it up now because otherwise it would have been which is actually funny because i think after the race uh, ocon still got a 30 second penalty so that must have meant that he exceeded track limits 15 times uh un- yeah. unnoticed during the race but after the race um yeah i don't know but again if that's the case then the end result is that they're taking the right decisions it's just Kind of funny that it needed to be triggered by Aston Martin complaining about it. What you wonder is, would they have also gone into that without Aston Martin raising questions? See, this this again brings up the entire calls and decisions that happened with the FIA, doesn't it? That I, I feel if we wanted to talk about decisions alone, we could sit and do a separate podcast on FIA decision making throughout the year and the consistency yeah. issues throughout the races. I'm not sure how many followers that would have. So. No, it's going to be <laughs> pretty annoying too, because it's, it's yeah, true, yeah. there's a lot of inconsistency. Yeah, but yeah, um, I get what you mean. It is unfortunate, it is surprising. But after that, we had the final ninth and 10th position, I believe. Eight, nine, no, nine, first, the 7th and 8th. Yeah, so we had Hamilton finishing behind yes. Alonso, but Alonso yeah. was moved up. So we just said Sainz was six, and then you had seven Alonso, eight Russell, but Alonso, uh, sorry, Russell, no, Jesus, see how difficult this is. Hamilton got a 10 second penalty too. So him and Russell had to switch places and it ends up being Russell seven and Hamilton eight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so exactly. Hamilton and then- complaining, and that's, you know, he was complaining a lot about other drivers, but, you know, the investigation showed that actually he was off the line even more often than some of the other drivers that he was complaining about. I think you could hear how frustrated he was uh, in his voice throughout the weekend. Yeah, and Toto had to come on the radio to calm him down. Well, I don't know if that was yeah. calming him down or just telling him to, you know, move on. But We know yeah. the car is bad, just drive it. <laughs> We thought the car was better. It looks better for a couple of reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, like you were saying, ninth and 10th, we also saw a switch because originally Gasly finished on ninth and Stroll finished 10th. But Gasly also got a 10 second penalty, which uh, made him move to the 10th place. And then Stroll became ninth. And actually, he was just with that very close to Albon, but Albon also getting a penalty. Although I think even without the penalty of Albon, Gasly would still have finished 10th. Very slightly. Very slight margin. 
Yeah, and then I think there were other penalties uh, that didn't, you know, influence the points for Tsunoda and Sargent. Sargent also got one during the race, I think, and he got one yeah. afterwards as well. He didn't even have a bad race, actually, to be honest, compared to his previous races. I guess we're also setting the bar relatively low for him, but... Uh, yeah, no, I was surprised when I saw Sargent up to like 14th and 13th at one point. I was like, how did he get up there? Do you think uh, that Mercedes will push uh, or will succeed in pushing uh, Mick Schumacher to uh, replace Sargent at some point? Or what do you feel? I, this, this, I do not know how to respond to this because you know my opinions on this and they are very strong and I don't know what to say. No, just give him. Okay. So, I don't know. I, I would really like to see Mick take over the seat because I feel people have written Mick off too much too soon. And with the right development and with the right team around him, I just feel like he can grow a lot more. And comparing the two drivers between Mick and Sajid, I just feel Mick is all around a better driver and... Personality-wise, I just prefer his over Sargent's as well. Well, my two cents, I would say that it would be fair to give the seat to somebody else. I'm just not sure if it should be Mick. I mean, will if Alex moves on to a better seat in the future, again, if, when, and but, if he moves on, that seat's going to be open for Mick. And I think he would do really well because look at how Alex has developed and regained his confidence over these last two seasons. Well, as in better than Latifi well, or well, like actually well, because, you know... Well, I like think, actually well. Yeah, the, my doubt is just that, you know, you see actually that the Haas, now you see Hülkenberg challenging for Paris, things like that, I haven't seen from Mick. Uh, although Austria was actually, I think, his best race during last season. But I don't know, let's leave this one in the middle and we'll just see what happens, uh, Ajit. Yeah, of course. We'll wait and see what happens after a silly season. So I think it's time to move into some forecast scores, if you're all ready. Let's go! So as we've mentioned, we had 415 players during this weekend's race, and there was an average score of 59.2 points, which is actually the highest average score during the season. Of course, there was a sprint race, but uh, it was also a higher average score than in Baku. So let's go and look at the podium of this weekend which, of course, got mixed up a little bit because of the classification being mixed up. So the player that won this weekend was Jesse Coro from the United States. He scored 102.3 points, uh, of which 18.3 points during the sprint and 84 points during the race. He actually originally, with the first uh, results after the race, would have been on the shared uh, P3 together with... Uh, Sven's better half, uh, Vladislava, but unfortunately she dropped now to the 21st place. So that's a bit tough, but uh, I guess we got to follow the FIA, just like the drivers. Yep, Try consistency. To that to her. <laughs> <laughs> consistency, consistency. We're all about consistency. So, so he predicted a correct podium, um, and um, that's the only one that I'll give to you because, of course, later you're going to have to guess how many people actually 
correctly predicted the podium. But um, okay. yeah, he not only scored the points for the first three places, he also had a correct P5, which ended up being Alonso. He had signs in P6. Um, so for him, it all turned out quite well. He also had Russell on P7. So uh, yeah, that's why oh, wow. he gained a lot of places after the after the new uh, classification. So he must have good ties with the FIA. Yeah, this is what I was thinking too. But uh, but uh, I'll shoot him a message and and, and ask what's up. <laughs> ask him who's going to win next race. <laughs> yeah. So P2. Uh, are we thinking anyone apart from Max? I I heard in the last podcast that that you always do. Yeah, yeah, well, Ajit, who did you have? Actually, this time you actually scored a decent amount of points for your P1 yeah. because? Because Charles got second. So Yeah, and Charles was uh, obviously the winner of the race in your book. Yep, yep, always. So, so P2 went to Diamond Days from the Netherlands. He scored 92.1 points, scored 18.4 during the sprint and 73.8 during the race. And... Um, the P3 went to Robin Kessler from Germany, 91.5 points, of which 15 during the sprint and 76.5 during the race. So I think it would be fair to have a little bit of a look at our scores. But before that, I think it would be good to mention first that Samantha actually outscored all of us. Yep, I expected that. I saw her predictions. So a big win for her with the move this weekend. Yeah, uh, I'm even going to tell you that if the results wouldn't have changed after the race like they did, Samantha would have made it into the top 10. She would have been on P9. Wow, okay. But uh, but yeah, she, she dropped uh, a couple of places. Uh, she got out of the top 20, unfortunately. But uh, she scored 77.3 points, which is still really, really decent. That's pretty good. Actually, with that, she she moved up because she was originally 135 in the overall classifications, and she's now 89th. So she really scored uh, a decent amount of points. Yeah. Then between the three of us, uh, Sven, yeah, I see two arms raised. Let's go. Sven <laughs> 58.3. Um, actually. That doesn't move you up in the overall scores. You were 66 and you're now 71st. So um, mm. you did outscore the G than me, but um, but you didn't move up in the worldwide rankings. <laughs> and then I scored 53.1 points, which makes me drop from 84th to 95th. And Ajit, you scored 54.9. And actually with that, you moved from 336 to... No, you stay on 336. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. I'm just glad I finally broke the 25-point ceiling. Yeah, well, you did score 56 points in the first Bahrain race. I just don't know why after that you... Well, I guess because the Ferraris are always up there for you. I mean, let, let, let's put it what it is. We all know whenever I make my predictions, all of it is just colorful throughout. It's never the same color scheme but when 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 you will be right you will be the only one who's right so you'll definitely have that top 10 spot fair enough i mean for me for me it's more of like i told anton this when i'm predicting it i'm predicting it for fun just because i want chaos so i'm gonna go <laughs> for chaos just want to see the world burn well, you're gonna <laughs> see chaos at some point, i'm hoping 
<laughs> I mean, you know that little Elmo meme with all hell fire burning around in the end? Yeah, that's yeah. probably me with my picks. Yeah. Me with my picks, yeah. <laughs> so, with those scores, uh, actually, Jesse, who won this weekend, makes it into the top three high scores. He's now oh, on nice. top three. Yeah. Nice. And uh, there, there's eight others who made it into the first 20 scores of the world. So, uh, so yeah, decent scores. Uh, not only average yeah. scores, but also good top scores during this weekend. And then we're moving to have a look at the front runners of the competition. So P1 has been Tobias Jolie since the Baku race, and he sticks in first place, but his lead is shrinking. So he's only seven and a half points ahead now. Um, but he did score 77 points during this weekend, which is uh, yeah, impressive. It's a good score. Yeah. Um, so um, actually, the. P2, who was P2 previously, Chip Kovker actually dropped a couple of points, uh, places, so he's now on P5. Uh, instead of him, uh, Philip Hojavec makes it again to P2. He's been there a couple of times already. He scored 87 points this, uh, this race weekend, so he's coming from P4 and sits on P2. And P3 is still Jesus Diaz from Uruguay. His uh, position remains unchanged, scored 63. And... Uh, yeah, well, we mentioned P5, so let's also mention that on P4 is Dejana Milojevic from Bosnia and Herzegovina. That's so uh, that's our P5 for the moment. That's good. A lot of shifts. I guess that's what happens when we have sprint weekend with predictions. Yeah, it's just that, you know, it's it's pretty impressive how one person can stay on first position from Baku up until now. I'm, I'm really wondering yeah. how long that lead will last. Yeah. And with people behind them closing in, it's going to be interesting to see the change, if it happens. So I guess it's time to move into this weekend's quiz, where the two of you are going to compete. And Ajit, you actually almost won during the Canadian weekend, but uh, Megan yep. just beated you. So uh, yeah, I, I, there's another uh, chance for revenge this time for you. <laughs> Megan not being here. Hey, we, we may never know. I'm off my game today. Let's go. All right. So we're first going to, well, okay, let's just do a warm-up round where I'm going to ask you, so this one's not going to count, just for the record, it doesn't count, but I'm going to ask you how many people correctly predicted P1 Verstappen, P2 Leclerc, P3 Perez. And, well, I can toss a coin, but I'll just let you go first on this one, Ajit. Three. You say three, just like three people correctly predicted, predicted the sprint podium. All right, okay, three, yep. Ben. Eleven. All right, it's Ajit who's closer because it was six people. Okay. So you're on your game. Hey, I lost a flat out 3-0 to you earlier. That would be close to a trashing. We don't know what's <laughs> going to happen for the rest of this. All right, so if you're both warmed up now, we're going to make it a serious one. Okay. <laughs> How many people P1 for stopping? Who starts? You start, Sven. I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> uh, how many people entered again? 415? 415. Yeah, 415. Yeah. 380. I write down 380. Ajit. That was super close to what I was going for. Um, 367. I was going to say you're going to go up or under. 367. 367. 
Right. The first round goes to Sven because it was 385. <laughs> so, really, really close. <laughs> We're going to go to P2 Leclerc. So, we know that only six people corrected the, correctly predicted the podium, but um, yeah, I, I don't know how you're going to mingle that into your, but Ajit, you're the one who has to go first. 325. 150. But Both. I think it's a lot less. So then why don't you... Well, I, I, because there's no point in going lower and taking the risk. That's, that's, that's <laughs> but I think it's a lot less. I think it's closer to like 40 or something. No, it's. It, I love your reasoning. And actually your reasoning is, is, is good because it is a lot less and thereby you do win it. So it's only 43 people. See, my 40 wasn't bad. No, 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 it was not. It was not. I agree. It was... So, good shouts. And that means we're going to go to P3. But you're a bit biased, right? When it, no, when it I mean... Ferrari. Yeah, he yeah. thinks people actually have confidence in Leclerc. Yeah. I think, you know, no, 350, my thing. God. If 350 people put Leclerc on second. Okay, I keep forgetting that these predictions were made even before free practice. I don't know why I keep thinking about, oh, you keep he qualified these at 2 and These predictions are made by other people. Hey, who've, hey, seen, who've seen the game on. of the season? Come on. Okay, okay, fine, 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 fine. How many people <laughs> actually do you think that had uh, uh, Leclerc on P1 then, uh, just like you did at G? Just an in-between question, no points. Can I start? I say one. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you it's not, it's not one. Two, maybe Shane as well. Five. <laughs> no, it was actually 14 people. One, four. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Let's move. Let's go. Maybe you should make a WhatsApp group with the 13 other people. Yeah, you can have a couple of friends. Yeah. yeah. So, actually, uh, just to go out of the the uh, remaining ones. So, how many people? Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the. Okay, sorry, I'm just seeing now. I'm messing up. So it was not 14 people. Your group of friends is slightly smaller. It's just five people that had Leclerc on P1. And I called five. Let's go. Did, did he? My short memory is really bad. <laughs> I said five, and you said, what, three, I think? Uh, no, he said one first, and then yeah, went said, to two. Said one, then I, then oh, I yeah, one to two. I went with five, yeah. I believe I went with five. Okay. I don't know. We'll see We'll see when the podcast is through. So who do you think are, are the other P1 predictions for other people? How many people do you think had uh, Hamilton on P1? Oh, it was awesome. one of them, actually. Oh, nice. I had are there more Mercedes fans than Ferrari fans? That's the question. Yeah, but the most. What do you think? Again, yes. Uh, let's go with maybe thirty-seven. No, so there was there was nine people. Okay. And I'll just finish off this list. So there was only six people who predicted Perez on P1. So that's actually you know a pretty big drop in uh, confidence on Perez side because. Usually there's quite a few more people uh, that are predicting that. There was yeah. one person who had who had Russell on P1, and there was one person. Oh, sorry, there was eight people who had Alonso on P1, and there was one person who had a P1 for okay. Gasly. Hmm. Okay. Surprising. It will be nice to see Gasly in the podium again. Agree. So. Let's move on and go again for some points. So uh, I already told you that there wasn't a lot of people who had Perez on P1. So you now got to guess how many people had Perez on P3. 
and I lost count who had to start. I think it's Benedict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Perez on P3, um, 82. Ajit? 75. All right, this one goes to Ajit because there was 56 people. As long as it's not a thrashing between me and Sven and it's close, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we can't hand out penalties here either. So, yeah, we, gotta keep it clean. <laughs> we, can, we can change the score like a few hours after the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, penalty for, you know, the FIA here being Anton talking about scores before recording the podcast. Giving hints. I don't, I don't like to be in this spot, honestly. I, I feel I'm being pressured now. But all right, let's 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 move on then and talk about Norris, who finished on P4. So how many people, Jade, had Norris there? Seven. I will, actually, I will actually say that during the whole of last season, Insana had Norris on P4 during every yeah. single race, except for one, and that was the race where he finished P4. He got P4, yep, yep. I think you mentioned this during the last podcast as well. <laughs> Right, yeah, she's still crying over it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think seven. Okay, I write down seven. I I think less, so I'm gonna go with six. Oh, <laughs> I, I think I think it's probably around two or three. I see. Okay, but I gotta say, you do get a lot of credit when you get something exactly right. So if you think it's less than six, you might well all right you've already i'm not said. about credit i'm more about winning all right well, <laughs> it, it was two so with your six you're oh, oh you are spot on man nice. but now but now you're gonna be the first one to guess uh, alonso on p5 Oof, that's a difficult one because alonso has been doing well so i think a lot of people will put him higher but then there's like some Die-hard Ferrari fans and, and Mercedes fans who mix up the the forecast. I had Alonso on P5. I'll give you a hint straight up. I had oh, okay. P5. See, I'm I'm predicting right already. So how many of those are there? There were how many um, were five Ferrari boys? Five Ferrari P5. boys and seven Hamil- uh, seven uh, Hamilton boys. Nine. Yeah. Nine. Okay. Um, Thirty-nine. G twenty-three. 23. Oh, nice. This one goes to a G25. It was. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> okay, close. So we're What's the two, score now? 3-2? 3-2-3. Three, two. Two, three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we move on to signs on 6. And I'm going first, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, signs P6, I'm going to say 12. I think it's probably a lot higher uh, I was initially thinking higher but I safe back down. a 13 oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh! no well your way of playing this game actually pays off uh, because it was 110 people oh I was going to <laughs> to Sven as well, so it's two against four. And we move on to Russell on P7. I have to start. Yeah, you do. Take a sip of your beer. 
So the, the game is becoming a bit of a higher lower game. It is. Yeah, yeah. Um, unless you want to stay honorable, though. I guess that's I probably will. Well, because then it's going to be a little bit more tricky to yeah, just yeah. go. But then if there's someone in the lead, you can kind of just stop them, right? One goes under, one goes over. Yeah, you're right. You're always going to catch. Yeah. <laughs> or they're going to have to be really good. <laughs> what was the question again? Russell, Russell P7. Russell on P7. 83. 75. Ajit's taking a point back. It seems to be yes. a second. It's always, you know, has a better shot. <laughs> yeah. But it was 68. So, yeah. Oh. Close. But you got close. Yeah, you did. I honestly thought it would be higher. Uh, in my head, I was thinking 70, but I'm like, 70 may be a bit too low. I'm moving on to Hamilton on P8. Ajit, you're, you're first. 14. I write down 1, 4. Ah, that's a difficult one. I was going to go low as well, but is 14 low enough or not? Nice. That's 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 the main question. I don't know if 14 is low uh, enough. Now I like sitting in my position because this is, yeah, I know whether it is or not, obviously. I was honestly thinking whether 14 was low enough. What's the score between us? The score is now... Oh, sorry. Three. Yeah, it's three for Ajit and four for Swen. Hmm. I found another way to beat the game. Uh, what did he say, 14? He said one four, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go for 14 as well. Oh! <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> uh, can I ask you if you would have gone over or under? If you, I'm, you're sticking with fourteen, but if you had to, no, I will, I will, I will say something because saying the same is not. <laughs> but I really have no idea if it's lower or higher because everybody Hamilton in the top ten. It's already almost not part of the first four good teams. Not part of the top five or top six. First of all, Ajit, is he still allowed to go with another number than four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. You're not going to regret this. I'm going to pick the wrong one. No worries. <laughs> I'm going to go for 13. Oh, come on. It's good decision making, though. <laughs> there was nobody who had Hamilton on PA. Oh! And I yeah. a couple of times because I couldn't believe That's it myself. That's crazy. Yeah, but there's nobody who had Hamilton on PA. Wow. If you How would have often does on the that happen? Step, and, uh, not a lot. We had it. Yeah, we had it. Uh, we had it like once or twice, but uh, hardly, hardly. It doesn't happen a lot. Because probably lots of people had him on six and seven, right? Yeah, actually on seven there was a decent amount of people, but yes, yeah. The thing is that, like you were saying, you know, people think about the top teams, and then uh, most people within the Mercedes lot will go for Hamilton higher. So yeah, I consistently yeah. put Russell higher, and I consistently regret it. Yeah. <laughs> Same like putting the all... above signs. I consistently do it in every race. He disappoints me, but now he just. Uh... Yeah. Too far out. Too far out. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a different conversation, but okay. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not go there. All right, we go to P9 Stroll. 67. 68. 
This is a nice one. You're both really close. It was 65. Yeah! Oh! Oh, okay. Nice. That means it's three against six already. So you can't win it anymore, Gene. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's but, fine. But we could continue on playing just to see we'll how close, close we can get. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. We're going to go to Gasly on P10. 55. 63. Ajit, I'm sorry to inform you that you lost this one too. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. It's what was it? Oh. 68, which was actually what you predicted for astrology. But, uh, yeah, well, Damn. Yeah, so okay. no, to, to be uh, fair, right? To be fair, right? I just want to point out how each and every single one of the calls we've made have been within five to ten play five to ten. No, people. you're you're right. You're you're consistent. I can I can agree we're both better in Samantha. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't say this more, if she was here. She's more organized than us. So. She's not gonna listen to this podcast, right? Well I hope not. I'll tell her not to. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right. So uh, I'm gonna ask you the final bonus question which is just for I don't know. Chits and giggles. Exactly. For oh, five uh, points uh, for me to win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I dare try to take that bet, but unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, but you're still going to have to guess how many people had uh, Verstappen on fastest lap. So who Talking about Verstappen taking the fastest lap, it was really a big amount of balls when he said, okay, let's do a pit oh, stop. Yeah. Okay. We didn't even talk yeah. about that. When yeah, he that said, was... it was like, Come on! Don't don't do this. Some someone will 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 fuck up with with taking off the tire, and you will lose yeah. the race. The only thing that was going on in amazed. my mind when that was happening was uh, Bottas the wheel not getting stuck. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That was and the only thing playing in my head the entire time. I'm like, mm, no. Yeah, and, and, and just imagine how it must have been for, for Leclerc and for Ajit, for that matter, for him seeing him <laughs> just be that close to Leclerc but not was, being able to do anything about it. I avoided bringing that up, but thank you, yes. <laughs> I, I, I would have liked to see Chaos there too, if I'm completely honest with you. But, um, but uh, yeah, in the end, you guys end up guessing how many people had Verstappen on fastest lap uh, uh, because he did uh, manage to have a good pit stop and yeah. he did manage to take it on that last lap. I that was a really good one. call. I think you do, and um, regardless, you won it. So, yeah, you bite off this one. Um, 317. 17 Gee, or 17? Oh, I, 17. 17. Okay. Um, I think before I guess, the one thing that I do want to say is I love how all of us just love chaos in the race. <laughs> we are all for chaos, <laughs> but I'm the only person who predicts chaos before race weekend. Yeah, we, we, we give that one to you, but we're happy to go away with more points. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, anyway, I would go for 363. Yeah, Ajit, I'm sorry, you did a lot better last time in Canada where you finished just one point behind Megan, but this one goes to Sven again because it was only 310 people, so oh. he was seven off. So again, I mean, really, really good. Dude, that's amazing shout, man. Absolutely amazing shout. Yeah, Anton just gave me all the answers just before the podcast. He just said, <laughs> don't make it too suspicious. 
Well, at least, you know, we, we have set up a, a screen this time with a video. So for that yeah. matter, you can see I'm not giving away the answers during the podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> I could have given them beforehand, but uh, you, you trust me on that one there, Ajit. And this way we, we get to see his, his red uh, Ferrari headphones as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the nice headphones. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, my makeshift yeah. mic. And, and then at the end of the day, just like Leclerc, you finish second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just mean. I'll take Why that. you gotta be so mean, man? I'll yeah, take I like that. <laughs> I will take that. It's a win. It's a win. All right. So, well, that wraps up uh, this weekend's podcast, but uh, not before we look ahead for the doubleheader that we have, because um, we're going to head towards Silverstone for next week, which is going to be really exciting. First of all, uh, before that, I would like to ask all of you who are still listening to this podcast to actually rate our podcast either on Spotify. You rated it on my phone. Yeah, but I can't rate it on all the other phones of the people that are listening. So please do. Rate the podcast. It, it does help us. So uh, we would appreciate that. And um, and I would like to ask both of you what your thoughts are ahead of um, the race in uh, Great Britain. I think it's going to be an important one for uh, for Mercedes because I think both Hamilton and Russell really want to do well, and and they showed some promise in in Canada, and they got some uh, some less luck or or I don't know competence or or maybe the car wasn't that good right now so it, I I'm curious to see how they will be doing in Silverstone. Fair enough. Um, I think they will end up doing a lot better just because um, if I'm not mistaken, both Alpine and not both I think Alpine, Aston Martin and Mercedes are supposed to have upgrades being brought to Silverstone. So that may just shake this shake things up a little bit for that weekend and that it's going to be really interesting because now i believe oscar is going to get the upgrades that lando got this weekend that's so because then it, you're going to see will, how much is due to the car and how much is due to the driver yeah so it, it is i think it's going to be a lot closer of a race than people expect it to be at least i'm hoping so because if you're going to have these three teams who have somewhat fallen off a little bit for this grand prix having upgrades next weekend and with the rate that McLaren are catching up at, it's going to be a tough to tough one to predict your top 10. Yeah, and uh, with you mentioning McLaren, I would also like to say that uh, for Norris, it must be exciting seeing that he has this much more in the car and going to yes. Silverstone, that will, be, that will be something good for him too. And not only that, uh, you mentioned Aston Martin with their upgrades, of course, you know, having the new factory and all in um, in place and uh, going to their home race as well is going to be very exciting for them. So I think we're yeah. going to see a lot of teams yeah, fighting for those places behind the Red Bulls, if the Red Bulls do indeed, as we all expect, manage to be up there. So it's going to be, it's going to be really a good weekend to look forward to and, um, and yeah, tough one to predict, like you guys were saying. Yeah, it will be nice, definitely really nice to see Lando on the podium. Yeah, I uh, I think um, I think I'm not gonna put him there on my prediction, but uh, I might, I might. <laughs> yeah, Leclerc signs uh, Norris. Nah. I'll actually tell you that the guy I was saying there was a person who had Gasly predicted P1. That same guy had Norris on P2 this weekend, which actually got him a couple of points because he scored P4 
four. So that means he scored 25% of points being two places off. So that's not too bad after all. One swallow doesn't make a relationship. That, that, that <laughs> is true, too. Yeah, no. But I'm, I'm looking forward to next weekend. I mean, regardless of predictions, I do think we are, or at least, you know, you'll have Sam back next, next week. So it's going to be a lot more to talk about. At least that's what I'm expecting to happen. Yeah, I'm hoping we're going to have, well, you know, with sprint weekends, we usually have a bit more to talk about because there's a couple of more sessions that are really worth it to talk about. So in general, for that reason, I do like sprint races because it does it does sort of create a little bit more excitement around the whole weekend. But then again, I'm also really looking forward to have a race where it's just the qualifying on Saturday, the race on the Sunday, and you know, really a, a build-up just for the Sunday where we're all just waiting for that rather than also having something on the Saturday. I don't know. I'm still yeah. undecided on what I like more. But um, I think next week we'll know more about it. We know if it was worth the wait. Luckily, we don't have to wait very long. Yeah. And also, don't forget, McLaren, uh, not McLaren, but Williams will be having the special library for that, livery for that weekend. Ah. And did they already release what it will look like? I don't think so. I haven't seen it. Um, technically, it, the dates got a bit mixed up because Imola got cancelled. Yeah. But they're still going ahead with their plans anyway for it to be Silverstone. Yeah. I hope it's going to be a nice golf livery, something something with those yeah. colors. Actually, you can do something nice with the with those light blue and then with the, the orange, the light orange will be cool. I'm really looking forward. I, I don't know what it is. I'm looking forward to Silverstone. All right. So with that... I guess we all say goodbye and talk to you next weekend. Yeah, have fun. Make sure you make your predictions and make sure to drop a rating on the podcast. Five preferably. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. See ya.